week's episode of the off-season version of the LRL Bulldogs Fan Podcast. My name is Matthew, I'm here with Scott. Scott, how you been this week? I've been good, how you going, Matthew? Good, good, good. Had the pleasure of being out at the uh, Nines World Cup on the weekend. Great couple of days. Yeah, it was good fun, wasn't it? Nice fun in the sun, especially on Saturday. Uh, good, Some good quality of football and a, a massive upset. In the uh, women's final? In the women's final, I was actually more referring to the Lebanon and England game. We saw upset, so oh, yep. good to see the competition and you can see already why the... Uh, well, there was a few upsets, so... There's a few upsets. They've got to be a little bit more specific. Cook Islands against Tonga on day one. Oh, Incredible. yes. Was, yeah, because Brad Tucker only wasn't playing. <laughs> was it? Yeah. He, he had a really good game on day one. Um, we had a couple of Bulldogs players out there on the show. A lot of them did quite well. So, uh, yeah. Yes, but we'll, um, yeah, well, hopefully they can back up with the NRL nights that have just been announced. But uh, we'll get into what's happening at Belmore. Yeah, we'll jump into it. And uh, after the Nines appearance, Corey will be playing for New Zealand this week, well, Friday night, against Australia and Wollongong. Congratulations, Corey. The first time he will be making the uh, New Zealand uh, squad in the 17. The test team? The test team. He made his debut uh, representing New Zealand. Now he's playing the test side. How good is that? He's had a really good season. Uh, Corey Harawira Lyra. Um, and he'll be out there uh, looking to prove or looking to be a part of uh, victory for New Zealand. If they win against Australia this Friday night, they become the first ever Oceania Cup champions. Well, good on them. Good on them. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. It would be, be a good uh, it'd be a good experience. I believe it would be a packed Wollongong Stadium. Well, nice, place, nice place to play footy. Representing country, so it'd be a good night, and hopefully the weather's the weather's good. You'd expect a full house because there's not much else to do down at Wollongong. Nice stadium near the beach. Go for a swim <laughs> through the day if you get an early mark. It's going to be a warm one, and then um, watch the football. All right. What else is happening at Belmont? What's happening? Another selection: uh, Will Hopawadi and new Bulldog Sione Katoa. After, or especially Sione Katoa playing for Tonga in the nines. He will, um, again, play for Tonga this week in the test side with Will Hopawadi take on the uh, Great Britain's Lions on Saturday in uh, Mount Smart Stadium, I believe. I think it's in Waikato. Um, Is it? Oh, oh sorry. Preview, it's in Mount Smart. <laughs> uh, we'll double-check that in a minute, but uh, Will Hopawadi had a, had a very consistent season, so... Um, He's been in that Tonga side for quite a while. Sioni Katoa as well. I kept an actual close eye on Sioni Katoa um, throughout the NRL, uh, throughout the Rugby League Nines World Cup. And he's quite impressive, especially when he got a little bit of space around him. So um, another opportunity for Bulldogs fans to, to watch him closely and uh, see what we're getting next season. That game between Tonga Invitational 13 and the... Great Britain Rugby League Lions is at Waikato Stadium. Oh, I thought I freaked the wrong one then. I, I, I believe that's the uh, that's the venue for one of the World Cup clashes that um, that Tonga played. But also, if we look at the actual squad that's been picked, it's a very similar squad that almost beat England in the World Cup final, quarterfinal. Yeah, semi-final. Sorry, semi-final a few years ago. 
Yeah. So um, well, it's the Great Britain side, but uh, you, they were so close to beating England and making history. Sort of that that was the game of Mousefoot. Maybe that's what we confused about. That packed game of Mousefoot yeah. when um, Mousefoot oh. turned red and white. It's um, it's a very strong team. I think the one place that they let themselves down, and unfortunately for a lot of the Pacific Islands, is in the halves. And no dis- no disrespect to Tui Lola Hare and Atahigano. They are uh, actual halves, which is a step in the right direction for Pacific Rugby League. I remember players playing out of position because of uh, such a lack of halves in those teams. Um, but still, when you have a look at... Uh, the top nations in those key positions, uh, they're still a little bit lacking there. But apart from that, a very strong Tongan side, uh, Great Britain, which is pretty much England with um, Jackson Hastings and Lachlan Good. So a lot of yeah. players that would have played in that um, semi-final victory over Tonga for England. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's similar scenes to the World Cup. With the crowds turning red. Yeah, I'm sure they will be. Massive uh, Tongan population in New Zealand. Uh, so it should be a good one. So is that it for... Uh, no, we've got... We've got more. We've, we've got more. We've got the trial again when we're actually recording the, the podcast. <laughs> Something usually seems to break every time we record it, even though we change days and times when we do it. <laughs> um, we've got... The uh, Bulldogs and Sharks to head to Papua New Guinea in February next year to play a trial game. Oh, yeah. So heading, so heading there. I mean, it's a shame Reese Martin doesn't play for the Bulldogs anymore, with that news. Is that in uh, Port Moresby? Are we so just breaking or bringing up? Is this one is just coming in when on recording? I, well, I assume it would be. Um, it's probably the only modern sporting facility in Papua New Guinea in Port Moresby. Uh, there is a field in Lay as well, but I assume that the NRL is going up there. It will be in Port Moresby. Yeah, well, I'll just look at another, uh, another rugby league game. It'll be, it'd be a big crowd and a good experience, a good trip for the players. Um, yeah, it'll be amazing it'd... scenes up there. And then also, you know, supporting and growing the game again, like looking... We're going to grow the game. The Bulldogs are on the, uh, in 2019, playing a, a home game in Perth next year in the NRL season. Yeah. We've got a lot for the uh, growth of the game, which is nice to see we're using our strengths and our brand to grow the game and help the actual game as a whole. Yeah, I'm definitely supportive of the club uh, growing the game, all clubs growing the game of rugby league. All right, we uh, continue with our top fives throughout this off-season. Uh, this week we got halfbacks and hookers. So yeah, so, uh, we've spent some time putting together our top five halfbacks and hookers. How do you want to do it this week? I reckon I I said that you went first last week, so I'll go first this week. And again, to keep consistent, five to one, like we've always been doing. It build it up to number one. All right, let's start with halfbacks. I've gone number five. I've gone Brett Kamali. Oh, Brett Kamali. Uh, short stay with the club overall, uh, but he did have a bit of impact uh, during his time at the Bulldogs. We just sort of think of the first year actually, right? I know he only had a couple of years at the club. He yep. got the, a fair bit of actual game for the club at halfback as well. Yeah. But at his short 
He's only played, played 46 games, but in 2009, we went from 2008, you got to remember, we were the wooden spooners, the year to forget, the uh, the worst team in the comp, to finishing the year in second, almost got first with that controversial 14 players in the field incident, uh, stopped us from maybe claiming first, So, and he was a big uh, recruit that year, and a lot of... Uh, Success comes on the back of him, so I put him at number five for that reason. Fair enough. At number five, I have Trent Hodkinson. Oh, the replacement of Brecon Morley. <laughs> uh, Trent Hodkinson, uh, I think he's a very underrated halfback for our club. Um, his partnership with Josh Reynolds was uh, one of the strongest halves partnering in the competition during their time together. They won an Origin Series together, breaking the drought. Um, we've had some, some wonderful one-point victories off the boot of Trent Hawkinson. Was it 2014 when it was three in a row? Yeah, was it four? Three or four? Yeah, so, it was I one. It was like, like, I, don't yeah. know, I lost 15 years of my life that year. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, I think I remember saying something on uh, Twitter or something at the time, just like a win that wasn't by one point. You <laughs> got the heart pumping, um, but yep, yeah, uh, that's why I've gone with uh, Trent Hodgkinson at number four. Actually, a player that I actually saw as a junior and expected that's... big things from. You um, mean number five? You said yes, at number five. <laughs> uh, is he that good that he takes two positions? Exactly. Uh, I, I think it just goes to show how excited I am for this list. <laughs> yeah, I knew this was going to be your favourite one, I reckon. I yeah. got him to agree so much with your Trent Hodkinson comment that he's a very underrated half. He won the Origin Series. We had that really good year in 2014 going to the grand final. and the, uh, that Especially the finals stint was really good. Um, I agree so much that he's my number four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My number four is Brecon Morley. Oh, wow. <laughs> we switched it up. I ranked it up a bit higher. Oh, there we go. I've got Brecon Morley at number four off the back of what you were saying, the turnaround between seasons. Uh, he, was, he was a part of... Um, he was only with us for a short period of time, but he, he did really... He served the club really well. So there we go. So we agreed with each other in the, the, the short period of time that Brecon Morley deserves to be in the top five list. Then we agree with each other with Hodkinson being underrated. Yep. Yet we flipped them. There we go. I, I think I have a feeling that this list might be very similar, especially as we get closer to the top. I think number one can only be one player, but we'll have to wait and see because we're up to number three on the list. And yep. I've gone for Craig Pollen Mountain at number three. <laughs> Me too. You too? Yeah. A uh, bit of a utility, Craig. Um, definitely more of a half, in my opinion. Uh, the late 90s, he was uh, exceptional. I think he was, uh, at the time, was one of my favourite players, for sure. He was, uh, was he the, was it the 97 game against Power where he kicked that, like, that long-range field goal until went under the post and he celebrated? <laughs> uh, no, it's not true. But he was just an, uh, a, a natural... Uh, like he just had all the skills, he was talented. You're, just you're talented, right. Seeping through him, he was a lateral footy player, wasn't he? He actually, uh, he was Craig Wing before Craig Wing. 
Yeah, he just... Although, although Craig Wynn was probably more of a W-half than a half. Paul Mount was more of a half than a W-half, but they could interchange, but uh, very similar styles. Yeah, just, you know, going back, only recently going back and looking at older games as the older games where he's played in, it was just good to see. Good runner. Just, well, we had all the skills. Uh, you just like those type of players, eh? That's right. They play in front of him. Uh, very successful player. He uh, played since 92 to 2001. A very long time in top grade. And just yeah. 200 appearances for the club. Um, just an exceptional player. He's, I, I have no class in calling him a legend of the club. You weren't no, number three, Scotty, so I might, I might start with number two because I feel like we might have the same number two as well. We have and to wait number, and see. At number two, I've got, I've got a player that um, came in at the... started his career towards the end of Paul Amada's career. I, I would have say like... that he was, in, in a roundabout way, Paul Amada's replacement with, uh, with another player in between for a couple of years. But number two, I've got... Brent Sherwood. I have to agree. <laughs> Number two after the 2004 Grand Final. Can you go past that? The um, the season he had in the 2000, the uh, 2002 and 2003. I know 2002, we points were taken away, but you can't stop the, the season he had in 2002. Yeah, I believe he's the it's most. Um, he's probably the best player that I've seen not play Origin. Oh, uh, definitely. He should have at least got... He came in the wrong time. He should have got... He sh- there was one year, I think it was 2002, might have been 2003, where he was actually outperforming Andrew Johns, but they put Andrew Johns into the state team because of uh, his reputation. Uh, so that's a bit disappointing. And uh, I think he, he missed out on the Daily M Award by a couple of points to Joey as well. Um, but he's... Uh, you got to love Brent Shaw as a person, don't you? He uh, grew up in the Bulldogs area, supporting the club and not wanting to do anything else with his life other than play for the Bulldogs. And he did that. And he did it really, really well. Do you know what I really liked? That he, like, he had that interview with uh, Andrew Voss. Yeah. With recently, and uh, we've heard the room before oh, that. On the, on the fan, yes. On the fan, not, not, not too long ago, it was actually played at home games at ANZ Stadium where they waiting for the game to start. They'll play their um, interview. Andrew Boston, I think Andrew Boston did a fantastic job with Brent Shell and really painted uh, life after football for Shifty. This yeah. was prior to actually agreeing to sign on the contract. But we were speaking about the time where he had he had offers from elsewhere. Yeah. And you didn't really it was like you thought about it but you didn't really think about it. I mean like it was kinda of like he couldn't see him playing elsewhere. He's a yeah. bulldog through and through. Uh we were able to meet him in was it twenty fourteen we met him? At the ten year celebration of the two thousand oh. grand final where Brent Shaw and Hasmore Mandarin uh were there with Luke Patton. Luke Patton, yeah. Rod yeah. Silver was there as well, even though he didn't Rod play, Sil- but he was there. <laughs> he, he was it doesn't matter, he was in our top five list of fullbacks and Brent yeah. Shaw was there. And how humble he was when we uh threw him some compliments, he wouldn't take it and he's and how much- a humble guy, so he's a really humble guy. But one thing you can say as well, that when he came back to the club in the the coaching department. Our hearts, season, yeah. the season, like midway through, I believe, the hearts instantly picked up. Yeah, it picked up. Koga looked like a, a new, like new player. Brandon Wakeman was looking good. They were showing really good, like glimpses. Uh, 
Lachlan Lewis's kicking game improved a bit towards the back end of that season. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're right. That that day in 2014, Brent Sherwood was happy to give us a lot of time. I think we were with him for about 20 minutes, weren't we, or something like that? Yeah, yeah it had to be somewhere around that figure. Uh, he was really happy to just have a, have a casual chat. I actually uh, met him again at... Uh, at the ANZ Stadium earlier this year as well. And again, we are just walking out of the stadium together. He was happy to have a bit of a chat about the current halves. So and really humble. Didn't, didn't think to get him on the podcast. <laughs> this was pre-podcast days. <laughs> I know, but you need to think long term. Just if we started back in 2014, we'd have had a great interview. Yeah, well, he might have to jump down to Belmore on, on a Monday when he's uh, down there and, <laughs> and pull him over. Uh, all right, Scotty, who you got at number one? I don't think anyone could argue this one. I think you've got the same number one. Played in the era when it was just only Bulldogs and Parramatta. Uh, I one of the greatest of all times to ever play the game, Steve Mortimer. Yeah, that's right. I, I got Steve Mortimer at number one as well. I guess it's kind of like the 5-8. Um, when you've got a player that's uh, got as much character and uh, the, the runs on the field or, or the... Uh, yeah, the runs on the field, um, his experience and big game uh, and what he's done throughout his career. He's become such an icon to the club. You can't go anywhere else. No, you, yeah, it's... it's I he's... Oh, I've lost words. He is uh, someone that uh, it's going to take... Uh, I don't think no one can take the number one off him. Yeah, and I've met him... Um, well, it has to be a very special player to do so. Um Met him multiple times over the years, uh, and every single time he's the nicest man you'll ever you'll ever met. Actually, yeah. do you think you if we could actually run a back when we're travelling to the actual members day this year, we almost got run over by Steve Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> was it this year? Yeah, we were walking to the back of Belmore around the grandstand, and he was coming f- flying in, almost trying to save her. Then he stopped to smoke, speak to us. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's had a few incidences with that, with driving. Uh, he almost ran over a couple of reporters one year as well. But um, I but I think that was a little bit different. But when he's when he's outside the car, he's a, he's a lovely old man. Now it's time for the top five hookers, Scotty. Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult one. How not much has the hooker role actually changed in the past? Well, couple of decades, decades, yeah, like, 30, like I was gonna say thirty years, but yeah, decades. It's changed. Yeah. So it makes the list a little bit difficult to come up with. Yep, but I think I've got a, a solid top five. It's probably been the hardest position thus far, hasn't it? Like fullback, yeah. fullbacks changed quite a lot too in the last couple of decades. Uh, and obviously, wingers are now more predominant, that sort of thing. But uh, comparing between generations, I believe so far of the positions we've done, hooker has been the hardest. Yeah, you look at the hooker like changing, like you know, hooking at the scrum. That's completely yeah. almost, almost out of the game. You see it on the odd occasion, a couple of times a year. Or, yeah. Oh, well, or the, prop doing it or a second, but um, you look yeah, at they, they, they used to be service. They used to be more like front rowers as well. Um, yeah, that hooked that sort of thing. Um, and not so much, dummy not half. so much dummy halves, but now they've turned into a dummy half. You could almost call the hooker a back now. Yeah, back or a half. Yep, that's right. Yep. Alrighty, should we start well, our list? Right. I'll go again first. Go ahead. Yeah, and because we just saw you last week. Uh, number five, I've got the Nugget, 
Adam Perry. Oh, Adam Perry uh, played second fiddle most of his career to uh, Corey Hughes. He had very thick thighs, I remember. Um, and <laughs> so he's always called the Nugget. <laughs> the tandem between Adam Perry and Corey Hughes uh, at that period in time was uh, was really good for us. We had two out, two out and out, like full blown hookers who could start in the starting lineup. Uh, coming on when the other one got tired, uh, it was great. Well, when you had twelve interchanges as well, yeah. it makes it easier to have those two hookers. But I, I like Adam Perry. He played from ninety nine to two thousand seven. Yeah. 133 games for the club, but he's played in some really successful, a very successful period. Like, obviously, the 2004 season, the 2003 season comes to mind. Uh, he brought the club back up, but he's only a one-club player. Yeah. And he's from Dunedin. <laughs> uh, should have gone on to, um, on to uh, Rabs. Rabs, <laughs> yeah, for that one. We could have, yeah, maybe we could edit that one out and just put his... Voice over the top of that, Juni, <laughs> and that's yeah. So it was good doing some research on him. He's one club player, um, an underrated player, um, but definitely one of the one of those players that becomes a fan favourite and being and um, yeah, you don't get you don't often see the one club players as much anymore. But it's good to see Adam Perry only recently in the. Yeah, like, okay, so at number at number. Five for hooker. I've got a player that was also a boxer from Queensland. Yeah, he was also a boxer. He was known as being a really, really tough uh, competitor. So much so that he lost his senior Australian middleweight title for because he was disqualified for headbutting <laughs> during the boxing match. I've gone with Billy Johnston. Oh wow. Billy Johnstone, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize the boxing career behind. Oh, very well known his boxing career. Um, knock a few heads off on the field and uh, in the ring. And that, that training by some, some stories as well. I think there's, there's probably no other tougher hooker uh, to play the game than our, our Billy. I'm more of a lover than a fighter, but I'd like to see what. <laughs> What he was oh, training. Did he see boxing league as a similar sport? <laughs> They've been intertwined for a very long time. Well, I won't say my number four either because uh, he might be more of a fighter than a than a lover. I'll let you go first on number four. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like this uh, list anymore because <laughs> I I pick lovers. I reckon no. But my number four is uh, Corey Hughes, the person Corey. with Adam Perry. So you've gone with the two, the tandem hookers to start your list. We're at the bottom of your list. Uh, yeah. Corey Hughes, again, tandem with Adam Perry. He was um, he was the ultimate smart ass, wasn't he, on the field? Stopping games for uh, tying shoelaces, like, <laughs> the dropouts, uh, getting... He, uh, he was the menace before Michael Ellis. <laughs> really getting under the skin of uh, opposition players, type of player that you'd to come up against but love to play with. Yeah, you can see him getting booed by everyone by Bulldogs fans, but if you sign a contract with your team, instantly becomes a fan favourite. Uh, but it's also the Hughes name. Another Hughes making a top five list. Surprise, That's surprise. Right. You, just, you just get born with the name, last name Hughes and you 
within that family, you just become an instant bulldog great, and that's what I reckon Corey Hughes will always go down as a bulldog's great. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, you summed him up perfectly. The ultimate smartass <laughs> on the field. Uh, I did say on the field, Corey. Yeah. Oh yeah, was on the field. <laughs> um, number four for me, though, I've got the menace, Michael Ellis. The the ultimate smartass on the field after Corey Hughes. The <laughs> man who took... replaced Corey Hughes. He definitely took the trophy. He might have modelled his game off Corey Hughes and took it the next step forward. Uh, but he was a tremendous servant for uh, the club and played in a couple of years where we were very successful. He also got Nathan Highmarsh to throw a punch. So. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm interested. I always go back to that game. and I remember the game talking about of what exactly happened. I'd love for them to actually put the stories on because it was very much hidden. Nathan Highmarsh just said he's just being a menace, but there's more to it. I think there was a I think there was a story not long ago about it actually. Um even earlier this year or in the end of last year. And apparently it, I can't remember what it was, but I think what he actually said to him wasn't actually that over the top. Or that, oh. that shocking. I think it was just that because uh, it was constant throughout the entire match that it was sort of like the straw that broke the back sort of sort of situation. And now they're both Fox League colleagues, funny enough. Yeah, but they don't work together. Oh, they don't work together, but they work from Fox League together. I wonder if they would start yeah. a fight on the sideline if they were to do something like that or work together. All right, number three, Scotty, who you got? Number three, I, you've actually just mentioned him, Michael Ennis, for me. All right. If someone... <laughs> Yeah, I will. I'll just continue to just jump on his uh, jump on him a bit. Uh, he came in two thousand and nine when we were having the rebuild after the shocking two thousand and eight season, instant finals. Uh, and then you got the two thousand and twelve, thirteen, bought it with all those final seasons, and then it's a shame he couldn't finish off the club at the grand final in two thousand and fourteen. It was a massive loss in the two thousand and fourteen. Grand final for him to have dropped. Actually, both teams were missing the starting hooker, funny enough. But I really felt uh, South had a made replacement in the 2014 grand final where the Bulldogs had to use Moses Mbai, as we've known, who's not really, doesn't really have a position just yet in his career. But uh, Michael Ennis, uh, what a fantastic player. And yeah, I've just got him above Corey Hughes, but I just felt like he was also a great captain. He was a good captain, too, for the club. That's right. All right. My number three. I've got a man who was born in Greece. He was the first Canterbury junior to represent Australia and captain his country while still playing for the club. He later became the doctor, the Dr. George Opponis. Number three? Got him at three. Fair enough. I've got him somewhere else on the list. Oh, spoiler. Spoiler, yeah. It's not taking too long because you're at three, so we're almost at the top, the point end of our uh, list. He's um, another legend of the club, the name that's synonymous with the club um, throughout the successful era, of course. Played from um, 74 to 82, so really um, just before, just uh, played in the 1980 successful season, of course. 79, grand final lost that year. Um, the majority of his career was in the 70s, but really being a part of turning the club into, uh, or putting it in the position to have a really successful decade in the 80s. And there's a reason why the medal is named after him. And... Alrighty, Scotty, well, I'm guessing he's not 
at number... Oh, you're up to number two, aren't you? Yes, I'm up to number two. All right, who's your number two? I'm going Jason Heverington. Oh, it's not George. <laughs> there you go, but it's... Oh, there you go. I'm spoiling a bit, but... Uh, Jason uh, Heverington, I was... Um, he was what very, very tough player. Yep. He looked like a, uh, a person, I don't know, if he spilled his beer, he'd probably kill you on the till. <laughs> like, like Jason like, Stratton a bit, didn't he? Yeah, he just, yeah, actually he does. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he played 133 games. You go back, um, I don't know, to the, he played the 98 grand final loss, but you look at games that he, uh, he played him. He was just tackling everyone, and he was tackling to hurt. <laughs> he was just tough. He was good. Uh, good service. Um, I don't know. I just I like a nice. I, I know I said I love lovers, not fighters, but I love a love uh, a nice tough hooker. And uh, he played well above his weight. Yeah, he absolutely did. A, a junior, as a junior, he was a played in the halves, and he. Studied under Wally Lewis, but yeah, became a really, really good hooker, a hooker for uh, Bulldogs in Queensland. And he played for Gold Coast just before coming to the Bulldogs for one season. Yeah, that's that's when he was uh, being understudied to Wally Lewis. Eight oh, games for the yeah. Eight games for Queensland and um, two games for Australia. And he's the young boy in the under twenty squad for the Bulldogs this year. Exactly. Absolutely. All right, at number two, I've got a player we've already talked about but hasn't been announced yet. Um, number two, I've got Corey Hughes. Hey, he's my number four. He said <laughs> not announced. He was announced. Number four, so you're going to make number two, the second greatest hooker. Oh, I, was, I meant more. It wasn't announced on my list yet. But yes, oh, number okay. two, Corey Hughes. Um, you've mentioned it, the name Hughes, synonymous with the club. Um, that whole family, uh, but particularly uh, Corey was probably the best out of a his siblings, and uh, gave a long service to the Bulldogs, and a, a club favourite. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just now if you're a Hughes and you're coming up through the um, Bulldogs, or the Hughes, the Mortimers, yeah. it's p- pressure on you to be as good as the, uh, the rest of the family. So, <laughs> Corey, Hughes definitely, uh, uh, definitely. I mean, you can just, we always have to make a list of the top the top users and the top Mortimers. <laughs> Maybe that could be next after the positions, but yeah, we could do that. The, I don't know, but yeah, Hughes was a, I don't know, before NFL, I mean, it's funny how we've almost got the same list again, but in a mixed order. That's right. All right. Well, your number almost identical. Yeah. Well, your number one is obviously George Proponis. It's correct, because I said he was in my list. You I should gave it away. One. Gave I it away. All, yeah, yeah I, did. I did give it away because I said he was in my list. And I did, and he wasn't announced at two when I said when he was when I was on my two, but yeah, like a said, rookie mistake with uh, list reveals there, Scotty. Yeah, it's it's new to me. It's new to me. I'm having fun <laughs> making the list, so I'll get better. But like you said, he played in the '79 Grand Final loss. He was the 1980s side. Uh, he played in a, a completely different era when a hooker just a it was a different position. Uh, born in Greece, Bulldog Junior, and now a doctor. And there's a reason why the medal's named after him, and I think he's the best hooker. Okay. So. I'm interested to see your number one. I've got it number one. Is it Adam Perry? It might be a little controversial. Adam Perry? As I I look at my list. But number one, 
I've got Jason Leverett. Wow, my number two is your number one. Yeah, it's got, I've gone with a little bit of um, Jason Leverett, a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. The toughness of the old and played in an era where the hooker was more like it is today. Um, so, yeah, that's why I've gone with Jason Heverton. We've, we've spoken about him previously, so there's not much more to add to that. I do like the reasoning for your number one, though. I do like the reasoning <laughs> you put behind it. The, he uses, like, the, the old the old head, the new, the new with the um, development the of old, the car. The, the old shoulders the with the new brain. <laughs> yeah, that's better. That's a bit of saying. But they're playing like a dummy half, but also hitting here to hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, I think uh, we'll wrap this up here. We'll come back with our final segment. Okay, we're midway through the episode and we've actually got something a little bit different now. Before we move on with Rugby League World and the listeners' topics, we're going to use this part of the show to talk about what's coming up on the social media pages throughout the off-season. And we've also got a debut on the podcast. We have Courtney with us today. Um, so, Courtney, first of all, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. Uh, you're in the same room with Scotty over there, so uh, you guys, I'll give it to you guys to make the announcement of what's going to happen. I'm just going to jump in just before um, let, uh, I'll make a bit of the announcements, and then Courtney will talk us through the ideas behind some of these announcements. But um, I was going to say, how good is it? We've got a third voice. Let's uh, uh, she's basically said our show's a bit of jibber jabber recently, so she said she needs to get on the show and uh, clean it up a little bit. So we'll see how she goes, eh? <laughs> Courtney making her first or last appearance. Hey, <laughs> the fans might love her. The fans might love her. She's into a laughing fit at the moment, so I'll just keep talking through the air and then uh, yeah. I'll get it. we've got her. So basically, I'll make the announcements, and Courtney's going to talk us through some of the videos, contents. So um, we're going to start off with uh, remember the famous. Team selection videos? I do. They were received quite well on that Twitter. There are a lot of votes. Uh, it's going to be bigger and better this year. Uh, Courtney's been working hard um, with uh, spitballing ideas, um, doing little dot points on how to make them better. And I'm just going to ask her on how is she intending to make the actual videos better than what they were last year. So... So this year we will be doing a Twitter team and an Instagram team. So will we be comparing the uh, Twitter and Instagram team with each other as well? That's uh, two different markets, two different social media following. Um, so that sounds exciting. The Instagram gets a vote, Matthew. Um, it yep. could be two different sides that could be voting for. Like we could have completely a different 17. We could actually compare them, bring those results back to the podcast. Will we be comparing the Twitter and Instagram teams with each other? That's a fantastic idea. You say you're not creative. <laughs> oh, she's getting a bit sneaky. But uh, she actually wrote that down in a dot point. So I was actually looking over the dot points, <laughs> but she actually came up with herself. So I stole her, her idea and then she tried to blame it on me, but it's actually her idea because she's right, the creative well, one behind the uh, well, team. So we're going to actually be comparing the Twitter and Instagram teams. It was really well received on Twitter, um, but I believe the video is going to be a tad different to make it more... Or enticing? Are you able to share some on how, or was it top secret? So we will be making the videos different this year. We will have more players to pick out of. 
will have new players to be introduced. And we will also be doing a 90s themed TV show, which will include us changing the I like the theme idea and incorporating some of the Bulldogs players and possibly the well, So that one's just massively that's breaking news. Courtney's just that, gone past the team. That's big up the news on the podcast. Here. Uh, you have a question. One, I have a question over here. Is is that is that a one TV show from the nineties or multiple TV shows from the nineties? At the moment just one. Okay. So that's just breaking. Like that one just came out of the blue. We're talking about the actual team selection and then bam, comparing them. And then we've got this 90s themed TV show that they're going to, Courtney's going to use. She hasn't said that information. I I wonder what what show that will be. I wonder, like, is it going to be a sitcom or is it going to be, is it going to be, I don't know, a a drama? And how is she going to put the, uh, how is she going to incorporate the players and Dean Payne, apparently? Dean Payne's the only one I think is going to be in it. Well, I look forward to seeing that one. Uh, if we're going to compare the Instagram page or the Instagram team with the Twitter team, maybe we give a prize out to one person on either the Twitter or the Instagram side, depending on which team is closer to the actual side. So, how do we would we give the prize? Who wins the? How would we decide the prize? So we we work out. If the Instagram team or the Twitter team's more closer to the round one team next season, Ooh. once we work out which which side is closer to round one next season, then we'll pick uh, one person from that platform at random. I do like that one. I like that one. I love there that you one. Go. So we'll have a prize. Can we announce what the prize is going to be? No idea. I, it'll you know it'll be something bulldog related. <laughs> I'll throw my hat. I'll throw my hat in the ring. I, I mean, you're breaking some news with giving away prizes. Courtney's telling us she's doing a nice theme thing when we're talking about the team selection. Everyone's breaking news. Yeah, and I'm the one left out of this this segment. This segment was, I think, used to plan this segment to go against me. Hey, it was just an idea that came to me just now. Well, you, I love your idea so much. How about, I'll, we can go in together if you want. I doubt you'll go in because you like to keep your money in your pocket. But <laughs> I'll go in and say we'll give um, either a family pass or a two... Uh, two adult pass to a Bulldogs home game of their choice. Oh, wow. To a blue zone, two tickets, come to the game. We'll have if to, we'll have to, uh, share your photos to our social. We'll have to let out the prize for sure later, but that's an idea we'll go forward. We'll confirm that in the future. But I wanted to make a big announcement. Why is my announcement <laughs> as well? But I'm happy to do the, the passes. If you're happy to run with that, uh, Courtney's doing the friend, oh, the, uh, the 90s show segment. All right, cool. Uh, we got any other announcements to be made? I don't know. Has Courtney got something else that she's going to slam this page with? Not at this current point. No, apparently that's it. But this was a massive, <laughs> a massive segment, which I thought was going to be a small one. All right. I wonder what TV show that will be. So something to look forward to on Twitter and Instagram coming Maybe forward. we can ask. See if we can get... get out there and see if anyone can guess that one <laughs> okay so the episode continues now going into rugby league world it's good to have um that announcement that we just had but let's get into uh, the world of rugby league Scotty. yeah so um we've, we've t- touched on it we 
we uh, spoke about it earlier in the episode, but the International Nines, I wanted to have your thoughts on the actual tournament as a whole. Uh, what you like, what you didn't like. How can we make it better next time? Oh, <laughs> next time. Hard-hitting questions to start Rugby League World this week. You, uh, you know this is what happens when I interview you. This is Rugby League World. Oh, you're interviewing me. Uh, oh, I thought it was a, a great event. Uh, the atmosphere at the stadium was amazing, electrifying. I haven't actually got to watch watch it back yet on the uh, on the uh, TV board. Oh, excuse me, on TV broadcast yet. Um, but being there was amazing. The mix of cultures uh, between the fans and the players alike. How good was it? F- uh, players were very approachable as well. Uh, we were sitting quite high up, and we saw them interact with a lot of fans down on the down on the fence. Um, it was a really fun, fun day, but obviously the crowds were probably a little bit lower than we expect. So hopefully next time around, they advertise it a little bit more um, and really push the event. But I think overall, it was a, it was a great success. And the, the football on show across the two days was um, top class. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a, I agree, great event. Um, I probably look in the days of having it. thought Friday was a bit bizarre. Yeah. But I did take leave off work to go there, so I didn't want to play that sense of it. <laughs> I did leave well, work a bit early on the Friday. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I'd imagine that a, a Saturday, Sunday in the future might work a bit better and have day one be a little bit longer uh, than it was this time around and maybe have your final a little bit earlier uh, than it was on, on the Saturday this time around, day two. Maybe your final could kick off around like that seven or seven thirty or something like that, and have a couple of extra games on day one. Next time around, hopefully there's a qualification process. Maybe a couple of extra teams. I've heard some people talk about there should be one more men's group. I don't know if I agree with that, but maybe one more team per men's group to so get the extra game in the group stages. Um, it might be perfect. Yeah, I mean. What do you think about that? Would you rather see a, an extra men's group or would you rather see an extra team per men's group? I'll probably do an extra team yep. in the men's group because I'd be interested to see how they balance, you know, I suppose the, the top tier nations yeah. across and the groups. That, I think that extra game per group is um, is good because I, with nines, it happens so quickly. If you get unlucky twice in two games, your competition's over. So it would be nice to... Um, have that extra game, and it'll be it will really reward the teams that are a little bit more consistent, perhaps. Well, yeah. look at look at England. They won. Uh, they lost to Lebanon, um, but still got through. Like you know, uh, did they deserve to get to the semi-finals? You know. Well, I said they're the worst maybe, team in it. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, that extra game, if, if there was an extra game and they won that one, then you couldn't deny them their spot. And if they lost it, well, it gives you an opportunity for someone else to uh, to show their worth. But anyway. I did like the, the, the games. I love um, how um, it's like a nice way to sign off the season. I mean, I know we've got International Rugby League coming yeah. up. I don't know. It's a nice way. It's a nice. I like the time of the year it's on in the October. The October. Yeah. It's not, you know, you go out there, you might, you might have a few drinks, you know, it turns into a bit of a party type of thing. It's a time of the year where you're more yeah. inclined to go out. So I do like that. 
Um, I like internationals. Uh, I love the house. A lot of like, the teams obviously took it very serious. We got to see some younger players actually representing the country for the first time. We saw the nice tribute from Benji Marshall, Jeremy Marshall King for making that squad. Yep. It's it's already became a bigger thing. And um, always the biggest thing is, you know, when I suppose you can compare it to the twenty twenty cricket being the short like the short form, is that will players actually care about playing for their nation or like in that format? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Once, yeah it was absolutely. heartbreaking teams when they eliminated the finals. Uh New Zealand were heartbroken when they lost the final. Australia celebrated well. They were excited. New Zealand and the women won against Australia, which was, I think, their first loss since 2017, which was good as well. You know what? For the finals. Something that just dawned on me, too. Having the knives before the test matches actually might um, help sell the test matches because New Zealand, uh, in the women's game, defeated Australia in the final. Uh, knowing Australian mentality, they want to get um, uh, revenge, right? But also, coming out of that um, that women's final in the nines was a, a centre from New Zealand, uh, Newman, came out and said the jewellers were cocky in that game. So you know, it's it's uh, it builds more intrigue for the the female Test match on Friday. Uh, yeah, well, it creates the narrative. And then you've got teams like Samoa shocking everybody and getting to the semi-finals, and they deserved it. Um, Fiji not winning a game. It actually creates a narrative heading into the test matches instead of just playing test matches um, at the end of the season. So, yeah, so you're right. right. The positioning of the, of the Lions World Cup, uh, ultimately, could, could, be, could be really good. Yeah, um, yeah, but the, the other interesting thing that came out of the nines, I mean, the crowd, they were saying they weren't too sure what they were going to expect. There was someone saying possibly 50,000 over two days. It just got under 30 for the two days. Yeah. Um, but another interesting one was that the potential to LA was Fox Sports were reporting early in the week. But the game, the nines going to LA. Yeah, World Cup nines oh, going to LA wow. for the next one. Possibly. I'm just, it's just someone's... Football like those reports from Fox Sports. Yeah, I missed that one. I missed that story. Um, oh, okay. Well, sorry. look, if, if there's a promoter, there's a promoter out in LA, and um, they want the concept, and they're willing to invest their money into it and promote the sport and grow the sport. Um, why not? Then you start. You start to think of um, the other places you could serve, maybe in the Pacific nations as well. Yeah. Imagine holding a puppy in Guinea for two days. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Maybe you'd have a, a nine circuit just just going throughout the Pacific. Possibly. <laughs> be, there's so much potential out of this. It yeah. can grow in its own way. It doesn't have to be similar to Rugby Sevens. No. I don't think we'll... I, I really don't see nines going the same way as the Sevens. I don't see one day a, a full circuit that the sevens has become and how there's different players and all that. But uh, I do see it as a, a very good tool to grow the sport. Yes, and I think they... Uh, yeah, and I think that's the way they've seen it. Um, I suppose you can say so much so that the NRL nines are returning next year as well. Well, I'm not against it becoming a circuit, by the way. If it does become its own circuit, circuit similar to World Sevens, that's more football for us to watch. <laughs> you know how much I like to watch football, Scotty. 
do we need something over the off season? It will be yeah, one off season. It could be one off season. We'll play the Lions midweek during the season. Who knows? All right, well, let's move on. Yeah, that's what I try to do it smoothly by saying <laughs> NRL Lions are back to Perth. Or NRL Lions are back in and then heading to Perth next year. Yeah. In yeah, the but... February the 14th and 15th at HBF Park. Uh, that's the actual ground the Bulldogs will be taking a home match to in 2020. Uh, we'll it's a great draw. The draw should be really shortly. It should be good. Uh, a good weekend. Uh, this instant response on Facebook and Twitter is: please pick a good squad, Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, well, last time we had the NRL nines, and it was in Auckland, and uh, we had Coach Des Hasler. Uh, and did he even go? Sorry, no, he didn't. Did he, he didn't go, did he? <laughs> and then uh, Tim Jimmy. Send a reserve grade squad over as well. There's more incentive this time around. I believe if you win the Nines, the NRL Nines, and then back up and win the NRL Premiership, you get more uh, grants. More there we go. Pay. So I think if you win the Nines and the NRL Premiership the same year, you get a million dollars. How good. So, yeah. Uh, the prize money for the Premiership has gone up as well. I think that's about, I think that's 700 or something like that. But yeah. 400,000 for the nines or something along those lines. I'd have to look into it. But yeah, a million dollars if you win both. So more incentive for the clubs to uh, send the proper squads out. Yeah, um, but um, now we've thought about that, I'm going to put the coach's hat on you. Oh, yes. yes we'll right, go, right. For, go for an 18 man squad. Yep. Uh, you want to go first with a squad that you can come up with? All right, I'll go. Jack Hogger, Christian Crichton, Raymond Fatala Mariner, Corey O'Hara Lyra, uh, Kieran Holland, uh, Sione Katoa, Jeremy Marshall Pig, Nick Meany, Montoya, uh, Jaden Ockenba, Remus Smith, Suaso Sue. Uh, Brendan Wakeham, Dallin Rotelli, Zalesiak. Uh, and I need two more to make 16. Uh, off road Dean Britt in there. Uh, and Josh Jackson. That's that's okay. a 16 man squad. The World Cup was based off 16 man, so uh, that's what I'll go with. Okay, I went for, I wanted to see if we can do 18, but I'll be generous. And we'll go, I'll go 16, which makes it a bit easier for me as well. Yeah, so I want to just, I'm going to ask my team a little bit differently to you, and I want to. Well, ask who should be the captain. I'm guessing it'd be Josh Jackson if you chuck him in there. <laughs> but <laughs> unless you're gonna have a specific lines, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You could. But I am gonna list the backs I'm gonna have. Yep. I jump into halves, then forwards. So my yep. backs I'll have is Dallin Motelli Zelezniak, Christian Crichton, Jaden Ockenball, Morgan Harper. Um, sorry, Morgan. Harper and uh, Kieran Holland is my backs. In my halves, I'm going to take Jack Cogger, Braden Wakeman, uh, being especially at Jerry Marshall King roughly as a half or a hooker. So I'll just say Jerry Marshall King. Uh, Jerry Marshall King. In the forwards, I'll go Sawaso Sue, Dean Britt, Renoff Tumamunga, Osahiki Ogden. And and 
Oh, if you go doing it, uh, Joe Stimson. Yeah. And then my hookers, I would send Sione Katoa over. And I'm two. Oh, I'm like, oh, one for 18, and I'm actually two short. The extra two, <laughs> I will. I've gone too short, so I'm going to go. So I've got me. I might. Oh, Remus Smith. I haven't mentioned Remus Smith. He's Morgan Harper. I've already got Morgan Harper. Remus, That's I forgot right. to mention. Um, I've got one more player to pick. I'm, 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 I want to get Josh Jackson out of it. And I'm sorry. I'm going. Actually, I want to go with Dylan Napa. <laughs> okay, cool. And then my captain will be Dylan Matulis Lesniak. Fair enough. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's just so hard to pick, but it's so exciting to pick. I'll put yeah. all the new recruits in there to put them in the Bulldog jersey because I like seeing new recruits early in the Bulldog jersey, even if it won't be the same design. But it's still cool to see them in the blue and whites. Yeah. But yeah, I hope if we see a score like that, we might even win it. Well, I think from the World Cup nines, we've learned that you don't need too many forwards. I think there was a couple of games where Australia went into the nines with one forward on the field. Yeah, you're right. Or one on the bench. I, yeah. I've sent a few over. I, that time of the year could be really hot. They've got to rotate the forwards throughout the games, especially. And then I want to yep. see, I want to see Christian Crichton. I didn't, I didn't think I mentioned Nick Meaney. But yeah, I want to see players like Christian Crichton and Nick Meany's uh, Ockenbohr in that open space. I want to see Brandon Wakeman get to play with the big boys as well, more often. Okay, Scotty, what else we got in the rugby league world? We will finish it off with, uh, looks like, Valentine Holmes. Apparently reports that he's coming back. Yep, so to the Cowboys. Surprise, we're not linked to this player. Is he one of the only ones? Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, we haven't been linked to him yet. Uh, so it'll be good for the game for him to come back. Hopefully, it won't take him too long to get used to rugby league again. Uh, he did laugh it off on Instagram. Sorry, he did laugh off the response on Instagram. Yeah, but did, we've I seen did. other players defend. I did see that on Instagram. Uh, well, this sounds like a good time to transition to our listeners' topics and uh, something that listeners are talking about on Twitter and uh, I'm guessing Instagram as well is the news today that um, the Bulldogs are looking at putting a $14 million investment into the Dragojevich brothers and David Fafita. Interesting. Interesting. What's your, what's, do you still see asking Dragojeviches? I, I, I think I've always found it hard to think uh, to see that the uh, or picture the Zabrojevich is leaving merely, um, uh, it'd be a good good get, wouldn't it? Uh, if that if that was the case, uh, David Fafita, uh, it'd be a huge coup if we got if we got David Fafita, yeah, the type of player I, that we quite need in our pack too. I argue we're going to make Manly break the bank account and spend all their money on three players. cap. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, there's yeah, Cherry Evans and Zabrojevic brothers, but there's also talk that Cherry Evans could be leaving merely for Brisbane. And then he laughed that off today. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. And then so there's uh, there's also talk today that Latrell Mitchell has not re-signed yet with the 
with the Roosters. There's only a week left till he goes on the open market. Uh, so, <laughs> and then so, the, so Joey Manu. Uh, I think this. I read today Joey Malu's already re-signed. They just haven't announced it yet. Uh, okay, I just heard that he's. Uh, but uh, you know, we got the open market as well. Well, it, like we could end up with Latrell Mitchell and Davis Fafita. That wouldn't be a bad get. How exciting would that be? Two very exciting players. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Nothing's been confirmed yet. It's all uh, talk. Uh, and we don't really like talking too much about uh, uh, rumours, do we? Yeah, it'll be a lot of speculation over the next few months. Oh. It'll just grow. Anyone who's got some sort of name in rugby league will become the open, who's in the open market from November the 1st will just be instant attraction to the Bulldogs. And you, like you said, managers will use the Bulldogs saying that they've got money to spend and try to up their deals at the current clubs as well. That's exactly right. Is there anything else to listen to those topics? No, that's pretty much it at the moment. Unless you like, the nine's kind of covered both. That's about it. Okay, cool. So uh, run through the the social medias and the way to contact us. Yeah, so uh, you want to give us a tweet or a direct message on Twitter. It's at NRL Bulldogs fans. We've also, again, I'm going to say we're still relatively new to Instagram. Uh, you can contact us on Instagram at NRL Bulldogs underscore. And uh, we've also got an email, uh, email address. At, at, oh, that's NRL. Oh, sorry. Yeah, NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail dot com dot au. Um, give us an right. email. And download the Anchor app or go to Anchor dot FM and send us an audio. Find our podcast and send us an audio message. All these links will be in the description of this episode, like it is every other week. So, guys, thanks again for listening. <laughs>